Hey, Katie, how are you doing? Hey, Winnie, I'm doing well. How are you today? I am so good, and I'm so excited that we have our next guest, Hannah Piper, joining us. Hey, Hannah. Hi, how's everybody? Doing well. And Hannah, why don't you go ahead and just tell us a little bit about yourself? Okay, my name is Hannah Piper. I am born and raised in Savannah, Georgia, but I currently live in New York City, where I've been for the past eight and a half years now. I grew up dancing at a local dance studio named Gretchen Green School of Dance. I danced there my whole life growing up until I graduated from high school. And then I moved to New York to attend college at Pace University. Uh, That was in 2015. And since then, I've been a New York girl. So Hannah, you have lived in New York and you've followed, you've gone from college to a professional career. Mm -hmm. What did that kind of look like? So when I was in high school, I started, you know, playing around with where I wanted to go to school. And I'd grown up traveling to New York for dance competitions and summer intensives, things like that. So I was familiar with the area. And as a dancer, it's pretty like you you don't have many options of where you can work and have many options of jobs. Like you can be in some place, but there's only one dance job you can get. But in New York or places like L.A., there's so many different jobs you can have. So it was kind of deciding from there which coast I wanted to be on. And as a Southern girl who loves her family, L.A. just seems very, very far. Uh, So New York was kind of the obvious choice for me as far as distance went. And then growing up, my studio owner was a Rockette when she was younger. And so I grew up knowing that and learning about the Rockettes as like a young girl. So that was kind of another push to send me towards New York. Uh, So I auditioned for probably five or six schools uh, my senior year of high school and decided on Pace University, which is a smaller private school. But their dance program is really well known because it's a commercial dance program, which basically means you can train in all styles rather than certain dance programs make you choose one particular style and you're kind of stuck and locked in on that one style for four years. So when I went to Pace, I got to train in jazz, ballet, tap hip-hop, modern. I took voice classes. I took acting classes. So it really trained you to get pushed out of school after four years and be ready to take on any job in New York, whether that's on a live stage, on a TV-like set, on a film set, you know, performing live for award shows, for artists, and like concert settings. So it, it was the best case scenario because Yes, I had that like rocket idea in the back of my head that that was like the big goal. But I also knew that like, maybe that might might not happen, or maybe I'd only do it for so long. So this was setting me up for success in the sense of being able to do or being trained to do more jobs than just one particular job, which was kind of that was the biggest appeal for me moving into college and then stepping out of college I'll say it got a little tricky because we had a fun little COVID excitement less than a year after I graduated from school. So I'm just now starting to feel like my career is like kicking off because things are just now getting back to normal in New York as far as like how auditions are normally run compared to what they were the past two to three years with COVID. And do you feel like Pace, do they specifically like help you guys with like managing connections, like how to like market yourself? Oh, for sure. So when we're at Pace, the the big appeal to it is that you're in New York City. So you have a whole faculty of teachers who are there every day that you see every day that watch you for four years. But you also have access to all of these amazing choreographers and teachers that are outside of Pace where you can, you know, go take class at like an open studio like Broadway Dance Center or Steps on Broadway. But Pace also is really great about bringing those teachers and faculty members into the university to choreograph dances for the shows that we do, or just have like a class workshop for a day or two, just exclusively for paid students. So they're really great about helping you form connections within the industry before you're too, like, too far spreading your wings, you know, you still have like a safe space where they know you're still a student. And you could make mistakes and you can ask questions that maybe if you were a true professional already, you would be afraid or embarrassed to ask those questions. But in that setting, it's like a very safe space to kind of branch out and explore, but still feel 
you know, comforted and be with your classmates and have your faculty like close by to kind of support you through that, you know, branching out moment. I love that you're, you're supported <clears throat> in like a very like organic environment, but it's a very dynamic and fluid like environment where you have people from the outside coming in and then you're able to go out and kind of practice exactly what you're learning in the classroom. Right, exactly. And like when those faculty or when those teachers and choreographers like from the outside world come in, a lot of times it's in an audition setting for a piece that they're going to be choreographing for a show. So they come in and sit behind the table and have all their papers and it's run very similarly to the auditions I'm attending now in the professional world. So that's another like layer of how they're really gearing you up for the real world once you graduate from school, which is very helpful because that that part of the job is very intimidating and you're doing it constantly hoping to get that job over and over again. So they're really trying to push you to do as many like in-house auditions as you can before you're, you know, in that real world setting where there's money on the line, where there's a job contract and not just, you know, a three minute dance in your college show. So they make it kind of more intimidating, but still in that safe, not like real life kind of setting yet. We've been talking a lot about community over competition and, Mm -hmm. you know, coming from Savannah that it feels like the opportunities here are minimal. Um, Mm -hmm. And we have a lot of dancers going after the same types of roles and scholarships and ambassador programs. How do you maintain, like, what role does your community play? Do you feel like in your success? It's really interesting because my like very close, close friends, we oddly all want very different jobs in the industry which can be great because we don't feel that like intense side-by-side competition because we're not fighting for the exact same job and trying to get that one spot. But we also understand the importance of what each individual like wants and what their goal is. Like my best friend and my roommate is dancing on cruise ships right now. My other best friend has danced in Vegas with Katy Perry, but I also have friends who I've done rockets with And it's just like, we know how important it is because it's not just a nine to five job. It is a dream. Like it is something you've been thinking about since you were a little girl, since you took your first dance class and it has carried through your entire life. So it's that competition is always there, but it's like, you can't not be happy for your friends, even if they get the exact job you want, because they've been wanting it for just as long as you were, maybe even longer. So that is something like you yes, always have to keep in mind and remind yourself that that we all want the same thing and not everybody is going to always get it. So to support your friends wins, even if you're not getting that win at the same time and just kind of trust in the timing of everything that, you know, maybe you weren't right for that or maybe it's coming for you later and you just need a little bit more time. Um, But I think that I'm very lucky for like the studio I grew up at really helped to facilitate that process like in my brain of not ever come like competing with your team because growing up you're in like a competition team and it's very big group oriented things when you go to school and when you graduate and you start auditioning and standing alone with a number and your resume is in somebody important hand and you're just like praying it's going to be your name called like it can feel very lonely so I always often like revert back to where I grew up and being on that team and having that team, which is now just, you know, my, my friend, like my group of friends that I'm usually am attending all the auditions with. So it's kind of fun because we're always there together and we're just, you know, hoping we all make it through the next cut and we get to, you know, get to all the way to the end. And if we don't, you know, maybe we go have a drink or have a meal together after and just laugh it off and say, you know, today wasn't our day and maybe tomorrow will be the day. So trying to stay positive throughout all of it is really like the main goal, which can be tricky at times, but we still try. (laughs) You know, Hannah, as you were talking about the team aspect, I'm familiar with the team that I think you grew up on at Gretchen Green. And I know Mm -hmm. they they are a very strong program and they give a lot of opportunities for their competitive team to go to Mm -hmm. different competitions all over the area. And like you said, even travel up to New York and different states and cities. Um, So 
right now you're working in one of those competitions that you attended when mm-hmm. you were younger. Is that right? Yeah. It's a very strange way of my world. Just like totally doing a 180 from once being the girl who was attending those competitions and taking class and trying to win that scholarship and trying to get the high score on my solo. And now I am on the flip side and a part of running that event and making sure that all of those kids are seen and that everybody has that welcoming experience. And it's so wonderful to be on the other side and know that that teamwork family aspect is happening from the business side, just as much as it is from the studios and the kids that are coming in to, you know, learn and take class and compete and be able to perform for, you know, these judges are, all most of them are all from New York. They're all working teachers and dancers in the industry that are performing for huge artists or in Broadway shows and things like that. And they're taking their time out of, you know, their busy schedule to come and see all of these kids. And I think as a when I was a kid attending, I didn't really grasp how big of a deal that was. Like to yeah. have such important people watching me dance and like Maybe I didn't win first place on my solo, but I remember every time I went home listening to those critiques on a video and just trying to grasp every single word they were saying because I knew that they had it figured out. And one day I wanted to be, you know, having it all figured out myself as well. So it's a very, very fun and rewarding thing to be on the flip side of it now and to see the joy in all of the kids that are coming to attend these weekends and leaving so inspired and have learned so much in like a 48 hour time period. It's crazy. So can we hang out in this moment for one second? Yeah. Winnie, are you good with that? Yeah. Cause we've been talking so much about auditions and community. And one of the things, Hannah, that I hear a lot with the clients that I work with is something that you kind of touched on when you talked about being that child with that dream and going mm-hmm. to take a first dance class. And having dance be like your community, your friends, your team, this place that's very accepting and it's like your passion and it's the place that you feel connected to an art. And then there's that other side that's the business side, right? You're auditioning, you're trying to get scholarships, you're trying to um, make your way. Mm-hmm. And- A lot of the clients that I work with struggle from separating their professional identity from their passion and their artistic and creative identity. Now that you have all of this great like insider knowledge and full circle moment, if you could, you know, be able to like reach back and give young Hannah advice on like going to NYCDA or those kind of big competitions and getting those critiques, what would you, what would you say? Oh, I mean, I could write like a whole book probably on all of the things. But one thing that has really stuck with me since I've kind of switched to being on that other side of like the dance competition convention world is that they see everything. No matter where you're standing in classes, if you are hugging the front of the stage for those classes, if you are in the back row or if you're crammed in the middle and can barely move, those teachers are watching every single dancer in the room. And I think when I was growing up, I was so convinced that they were only watching the girl who had the highest legs or the boy that could do the most turns or who had the best outfit on or somebody that has won at their competition every year since they've been growing up. And that is just so not the case. When I first started working for NYCDA, And on stage New York, which is their sister company, I was so surprised at how many faculty members still remembered who I was. Because growing up, I was not the first overall high platinum star power, whatever, solo winner. I was just Hannah, the girl who wanted to dance and take class and, you know, maybe win a scholarship to come back and be there again. So it was such a humbling moment to know that even though I wasn't the star dancer in a group of 500 kids in a ballroom dancing all weekend, that they still remembered me in some way, even if it was little, like they had a memory of me. And that meant so much because I've watched them watch all these kids while they're teaching class, talk about them after competition is over and admire these studios and these, you know, studio owners who are 
growing these dancers into being the next, you know, level of professionals. They're the next generation of dancers. They're going to be doing all of these things that I'm trying to do now in the next five or 10 years. So it's so crazy that, you know, people above me that are a next generation above me are grooming the generation below me. And I just get to be in the middle and kind of watch it all pan out. So it's really, really interesting. And just, you know, I think bottom line to answer your question, never taking it for granted and never thinking that they're not watching because they're always watching. The eyes are always on you, whether that's your dance teacher at home or your favorite faculty member at your favorite dance competition, like they are, they have your, their eyes on you. And like, if you come in at a, as a mini six years old, they're going to know you as a mini and they're going to remember you as a senior when you're about to graduate high school. It's a very family oriented business, at least the one that I have the pleasure of working for now. So that is a big appeal for me and why I am enjoying working for them and developing a relationship with them and being able to have my studio come to this competition too. Like I'm so excited for that is going to be happening next year. And I'll get to see all my worlds come together at once, which I'm very, very looking forward to. I'm so excited that NYCDA is coming to Savannah <laughs> this year. Like I know, I know it is a long time coming and I will let you know, I think it's going to be a very, very big weekend, a bunch of dancers, lots of competition, and it's going to be so much fun. I'm so excited. I booked my hotel the moment I saw that release. I was so. Yes, yes, huh. yes, yes. yes. It's going to be a good one. Love it. And I really like um, the whole family approach. And I do agree that, you know, Gretchen Green I have a lot of clients that come to me from Gretchen Green and what I've Mm. always appreciated about their mentality is that we're not here to compete. We're here to learn. And I like that Mm -hmm. one convention can give so many opportunities. There is, there is an opportunity to win. There's the opportunity to learn. There's the opportunity to grow and there's lanes for everybody. Yes, definitely. It's, it's not a, one size fits all for just the best dancer to come. And I, my studio, I think is amazing at nurturing all levels of dancers, the dancers that want to move to New York, that want to have a career or the dancer that just loves it so much and like get such a community from it, has such a family from it. And maybe after they graduate, they never dance again. But I can tell you right now, some of my best friends that I had dancing at that studio that aren't even dancing, anymore relate everything back to what they learned at Gretchen Green, what they learned traveling to those competitions in their business nine to five jobs that they have right now. I was literally just home for Thanksgiving and my best friend and I were just talking about all of the lessons we have learned that have not even had anything to do with dance itself, but we learned in a studio or traveling with our team that have translated just into how we do other jobs that have nothing to do with dance and how we are better people because of the training we had, not just technically to be dancers, but to be good human beings and respect everybody and be kind and all the things. And I love those takeaways. And as you were sharing with me, like some of the things that you learned, like from both sides of working for a convention and then also being a competitor there, you you said that, you know, you didn't always win the the top placement um, or, you know, in the audition, you didn't always grab the scholarship, but they remembered you. And I think that's something that's really important as you talk about those life lessons that you carry with you is that you're not just performing when you're on the stage you're, you're, you're in the public eye, you're being watched, they can see you. And we know that we're dealing with kids and kids sometimes have bad days. (laughs) Um, and they might be starting really early and they might've gone to bed really late because that's typical for a jam packed convention weekend. What tips would you give to competitors and young dancers to be able to take care of their well-being throughout the weekend? Like, what are some habits that you would encourage them to start practicing? Well, I will say those those weekends as a kid 
were crazy. I mean, you're competing at night directly after you've taken five or six classes in the day. You woke up at 6 a.m. to get ready to do your hair, to put on your best outfit, you know, to take five or six classes, have maybe a 30 minute break throughout all of that to immediately get in like hair and makeup for competition and compete for seven hours and not go to bed till after midnight. I do that now as a grown adult running the event and I am dying. Like, so I applaud all of these kids for being able to do it from the six-year-old that is, you know, staying awake because they're in the production number with all the older kids to the high school kids who are doing 15 plus numbers in a night. Like it is without a doubt exhausting. You have to take care of yourself. And thankfully, most of these kids are grateful enough to have a family member that can travel with them or a studio owner that's responsible for them to make sure that they're staying hydrated, eating well, getting as much sleep as you possibly can throughout the weekend. I know the hours may not be your full eight, but you take as much time as you can to get that rest in. And just fueling your body throughout the weekend, I think, is is the best thing you can do. When I'm working these weekends, I am constantly carrying around a water bottle. I'm trying to make sure I eat every meal, even though there seems like there's no time to do so. Um, that is such a big thing, especially as you get older, your body's changing, your body's growing, you're getting stronger. You've got to feed yourself and nourish yourself to be able to withstand those weekends because there have been weekends where I have gone out and been absolutely so sick and had to dance and compete and be sick. And you're just exhausted even more than you normally are. And you you have to keep pushing through. And it's, I think those weekends are mind over matter. Like you have to just believe that you can do it and know that when you get home on Sunday night, you're going to have the best sleep of your life. But it's, I mean, it's a challenge, but I will say like, that is 90% of the time what my every day-to-day life is here in New York. I'm going to auditions, I'm taking classes, I have jobs that I have to work so I can make money to live here and be here. I am nonstop going, going, going. Granted, it's not at that heavy of a pace and that intensity that those weekends are, but that hustle and that drive to perform and do your best and put your best self out there is very much so something that has helped me to adapt to the lifestyle I live now being in New York. Just another thing that I've learned that has transitioned into my adult professional career that I am grateful for, even if it means I missed some sleep when I was in school and had those hard long weekends and maybe missed a football game or a school dance. And I will say it was worth it. I missed my senior prom and went to a dance competition. And I think I had more fun at the the dance competition probably than I would have at prom anyway. So I support it. I support skipping out on a couple couple things here and there to really push yourself and be with your team and you make commitments and you have to be there. And I would say all of the times that my family, my dance teacher made me show up, I didn't regret it. I may have been a little upset about it at the time, seeing a game, a school game, something, a school event, but I never regretted it after the fact. I was always happy that I decided that dance came first and that it was more important than whatever event or thing I could have maybe been at. I hear it as a values assessment and a conversation that you've always had with people that you've really trusted in your corner and that you constantly assessed what your values were. You had your eye on the prize. I mean, it's easy to have instant gratification, especially when you're a teenager. FOMO runs (laughs) real. Oh, yeah. (laughs) Those are very mature conversations that you're having with yourself, that you're having with your support system on what is the, what's the big picture? What's the goal? And if I've made all of these little sacrifices along the way, am I, you know, willing to skip today? No. So I, I really love that because I do think that that dialogue is critical for our young dancers to understand what they're what they're doing and why they're doing it and to be able to kind of balance those feelings that we get when we feel like you said you get a little upset in the moment right that phone <laughs> mm-hmm. um, but you you're doing it now and you're doing it because you made those tough decisions along the way we talked a little bit about <clears throat> the competition that you work for mm-hmm. being you know, like a very close organization and company. 
and really having great relationships with those dancers that they're bringing up throughout the years and preparing them for professional careers. And one of the things Whitney and I have been discussing is about dancer safety and what Mm. healthy mentor relationships look like and what potentially unhealthy mentoring relationships can look like and how difficult it is when you get wrapped up in the excitement of potential. And I was wondering if you had any tips for young dancers or for dance adults or for studio owners or anyone who's responsible for kids, but how do we look for the green flags and the red flags? That is a very loaded question. I feel like, um, you know, I am very, very involved in my home studio. Still. I, every time I'm home, I'm usually in the studio at least once, if not 10 times while I'm home, I'm lucky enough to choreograph for their competitive team. And during COVID, I was living at home in Georgia and I was teaching there almost every day of the week. So that studio particularly is the closest thing I have to having kids to mentor because I teach at some studios in New York, but it's really more so on a sub basis and not as consistent. And so if I rewind a little bit, when I graduated high school, I had kind of already started to teach some at the studio. I was choreographing some as a student before I'd even graduated. So I'd already started to have the opportunity to work with the younger dancers at Gretchen Green. And I remember it being like the coolest thing I've ever gotten to do. Like it was, I had this like little baby group of like itty bitties, so cute. And I just wanted to like hug them and squeeze them and play with them and teach them everything I could as a high schooler. I don't didn't nearly know as much as I do now, but I remember that being such an exciting moment to get to be on the other side of that situation and not be the one learning, but be the one educating. And I think Gretchen Green does a great job of preparing dancers to transition over to that side of the business because they give you the opportunity to assist classes. Once you're, I believe in middle school, you can apply to be an assistant. So then you get to be in class with a teacher, but you have moments where you get to, you know, maybe you lead the warm up one day. Maybe you get to teach a combination for class and help, you know, in many ways throughout the school year to help these classes run. So I started doing that when I was in middle school and did it all the way through high school. So by the time I was about to graduate, I was like, I'm ready to be a dance teacher. Like, this is the best thing ever. But I will tell you, they do not tell you how much you have to teach these kids. I mean, it is like, yes, obviously you teach them dance steps, but you have to teach them how to be kind, how to share, how to say please and thank you. You know, they're obviously they have parents that are teaching them these things. But when they come into the classroom with you, you take over that role in a way for the hour, however long you have them, because you want them to be kind to the other students that are in the room. You want them to learn to listen, to follow directions. And it's such a big task to take on. And I don't think I truly realized how big of a deal it was until I graduated and had the opportunity to be the only teacher in the room, not just that assistant. I was like, this is, this is a lot. And like, when you're, when you're teaching that younger age, really young they think you're like 30 million years older than them so they they are great about listening but they're such sponges they listen to everything you say if you say something just a little bit off they're like but why'd you say that or I have a question about that or what does that mean and blah 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 blah. so you are so conscious of the words coming out of your mouth and I think that was something I learned right off the bat when I first started teaching and then Now, as time has gone on, I've created close relationships with dancers who remember me when I was still a student and we were students at the same time. But now we even have kids at the studio that only know me as Miss Hannah, as the dance teacher, not even as the student because we weren't there at the same time. And I think those are the kids that I'm making such a unique connection with because I don't have that that bond of being students together, whether, you know, I was a senior in high school and they were, you know, in first grade, they still know that we were on the same team together. So now I have these kids at the studio that I come home and they 
are just like so excited to see me and I'm obviously so excited to see them but it's such a privilege and and I don't know honor sounds cheesy but it really is like I'm so lucky to have such a group of kids that look up to me because it makes me be a better person it makes me work to be a better dance teacher it makes me want to you know even the silly like be appropriate on Instagram because all of these kids have Instagram and I'm very conscious about what I post and being you know role models in not just the dance world but also in my personal life as well or the personal part of my life I share on social media that they can see so it's a big job that you sign up on like to be a teacher to be a mentor because especially when you're a mentor you get even more tight-knit with a dancer you know, maybe you're choreographing their solo and you're spending more time with them. You're more one-on-one. You have opportunities to have more serious conversations. Um, I've been lucky to, you know, help a lot of our like older dancers at the studio who are, you know, gearing up to go to school, help to decide where they're going to audition, if they aren't going to audition, if they're going to move right away and try and have a dance career, if they don't want a dance career, but maybe want to figure out how to have dance in their life in some way. Uh, So it's been really rewarding to also work with that older age range and helping to guide them into the next steps of their career, whether that involves dance or not. I think too, you know, it's really special to be able to form these consistent connections with people because there's a level of trust because you've had time to build that trust. I'm curious if NYCDA has any sort of training that the teachers, educators, judges, like, do they go through any kind of training to, I don't know, make them make sure that they are safe adults for these kids to be around? I do know that everyone that works for NYCDA has like, and I'm, I would go out to say probably all competitions and conventions have adapted this by now, just because it's 2023. Most of them are all doing like some form of sexual harassment training at a base level regardless. And I mean, you're with dancers, you know, you're, it's, it's an even more intense form of contact and connection being made than just like a desk job, you know, so you, it, it, you're even more connected to these kids. So it's even more important to know those boundaries and where, your assistance is needed, but can be, you know, you don't want to go over the line in any way, whether that's, you know, just verbally, physically, there's so many ways to know, you know, where you need to like put a stop and like stay professional. Um, But I do know that like everyone at NYCDA does that for sure. And, you know, we're not there. Um, I don't hire our faculty. They're amazing. But I mean, there is a lot of thought and process that goes into hiring, especially for that company. But I would say for all conventions, competitions, like you want to hire good people at the base, like you want good people first, and then good teachers second, in my opinion, like, you know, if you're, if you're not a good person, how are you going to help teach these kids to also be good people? while you're also teaching them how to do a triple pirouette, you know, it's, they go hand in hand because those teachers and those faculty members that are working for competitions and conventions are also choreographing and casting shows that these kids will one day be auditioning for. So if you look at it that way, they have a hand in making them also into good people and good professionals. So you want to, help guide them into that right direction. And doing that, you want to be a good person, which makes you a good role model for all of those kids that are coming out to learn from you every weekend. And that's something that Katie and I have talked about a lot. Sorry, Katie, to jump in there. But you know, like anybody can say, oh, I'm a dance teacher. I have a studio and be around children without any regulation required. Mm -hmm. Any photographer can pick up a camera. Like, you know, it's crazy to me that to be a teacher in a classroom, there's so much education and regulation around it. But in the dance world, there there's just not. Yeah, I, I honestly think about that all the time. 
And I wonder if there was more of a requirement of a training you have to do and some certificate that has to be up in your studio to say that you are able to be running this place, not just because you have the money to fund a business and welcome all these kids into your doors. How many studios would there actually be? Because I mean, I don't even, I don't even want to know how many studios there are just in like, I mean, in Georgia, even in Savannah too. I mean, the amount of studios in Savannah since I've grown up has expanded drastically, which I think is amazing. But in the like broad spectrum, if you're thinking nationally, like there are so many studios and where did all of these teachers come from? You know, are they all trained enough to teach the styles correctly and to educate dancers you know, on the history of dance and teach them in a correct way so that if you were trying to push every dancer you trained out into the professional world, would they be ready? Would they be up to par with those dancers on Broadway, those dancers on tours with, you know, performing artists, things like that? Or is it a disservice because you're a teacher that, you know, maybe only be trained in jazz, but you're also having to teach tap ballet and hip hop because you can't find anybody else. You know, and I think, Every studio goes through that struggle too to find like I think if you're you're in it for the right reasons, your goal is to find those teachers who are so passionate about maybe just one style of dance and they teach that and they have so much knowledge on that. And you know, how great would it be if you found teachers that are educated in multiple styles and have enough knowledge to share for all ages and all styles, things like that. But at the end of the day, I'm like somebody who's passionate about what they're teaching is going to translate into how you're teaching it to those dancers. And if you have a lack of knowledge in running a studio or any style of dance, that's going to get tossed onto these kids. And then they're going to grow up and not be as educated as they could be. Because like you said, there's so many requirements for kids going to school. Why can't dance have that same level or even half of that kind of requirement to be a teacher before you can teach dance to these kids. And I think, I think there are studios that personally require that and want to know, did you go to school for dance? Did you do a training program? What, what do you have on your resume to prove to me that you're, you know, educated enough to share your knowledge with others. But I also think that there are studios out there that may not be living up to that standard personally because they just need teachers or maybe they just want the money. And that is sadly really unfortunate for the dancers that end up at those studios and not at a place that has that much care and effort going into, you know, who they're hiring to teach. I think it's hard too, because a lot of parents who don't have a dance background don't know what to look for. And so they want what's best for their children. And they don't know necessarily what to ask until they've already invested so many years. Their kids have already formed friendships. They've already joined the team. They already got the jacket. And then they're like, oh, no, <laughs> you know, but um, one of the things to go back full to the to the idea of what it looks like to have a healthy mentorship. Is it possible? I think absolutely. And what I'm hearing from you, Hannah, as you like discussed how that feels for you personally, is that you understand the gravity of what's going on here. You understand the position, whether you want it or not, you're standing in it as a role model to young dancers, as a mentor, as you know, you, you represent hope. Yes, it's possible. And you have more questions than you have power assertions. And I hear that as you're kind of going through what you're doing. You're talking more about what do you want your career to look like? Where do you want to audition? What do you want to do after high school? Should you audition? Should you not? What, you know, what genre do you want? What does that look like? You had all of these like considerations that you kind of walked us through and not in one moment where you like, well, I was this and I did this and you should listen to me because I do this. And I just thought that was 
such an interesting way to kind of demonstrate what a healthy mentor would look like when you have that conversation with them. Yeah. I mean, the dance world is so broad. There are so many different ways to do it. I don't think there is a right and a wrong way to do it now more than ever. I think when I was, you know, looking at schools, every parent wants you to go to college. Every, every parent wants you to have the best education you can have. And there's nothing wrong with that. But aside from what your parents want, you know, when I started college in 2015, a lot of dance jobs wanted you to have a college degree. And I think now since COVID, a lot of dancers opted out of going to college because what is a college dance program with COVID? You're dancing in your room on Zoom and not really getting that hands-on in-person training. So a lot of dancers a few years younger than me are now in the industry and have not gone to school, have not gone to college. Maybe they did a training program. There's incredible training programs all around the country, especially in New York. You can go and do a professional semester at Broadway Dance Center, at Steps on Broadway, at, you know, a formal like dance company, things like that, that are just as valuable in a totally different way. You're not getting that college degree, but you're still getting that dance training to help propel you into your professional career. And I think that is something that is so important as a mentor to grasp now that there are more ways to expand your training after you graduate from high school, after you leave that competition team that are not just a four-year college program. You know, I loved going to college. I, I don't regret it at all. But do I think that there were other ways I could have done it and probably still ended up where I am now? Sure. And maybe that could have been with more dancing and less math classes and literature classes. I would have loved to skip those in college and just take more dance classes. But, you know, I'm grateful for the experience and I'm happy I did it. And I can take my knowledge of it and share it with those dancers that, you know, want to know about it, but also acknowledge what the other options are out there and what that looks like. You know, we have a student from Gretchen Green who is in New York right now doing the professional semester at Broadway Dance Center and just had her first show here and is loving it. There's not like, and that's amazing. We have other dancers who graduated last year that are at Kennesaw State dancing in the dance program there. They also have the opportunity to go take dance classes in downtown Atlanta, which is a growing dance area, which is so exciting because, you know, one day I do want to move closer to home and not always live in New York. So love that Atlanta's dance community is growing. We also have dancers that, you know, chose to stay home after school and are now teaching at Gretchen Green. And that, like, you know, every single one of those situations are all equally fantastic because that is what they decided to do. They made that decision. They chose what was best for them and what's leading them into the next step of their career, whatever that may be. And I think it's so great that, you know, it's all, it was all different. And almost every like dancer that graduated last year took a different route. And I think that it speaks volumes to where I grew up in my studio because we, I'm, I learned this, way of thinking from my dance teacher because she told me that I could do whatever I wanted to do and supported me through all of that. And that is like what my goal is, is to do that when she doesn't want to do it anymore. You know, when she's done giving those that advice, I am being a sponge listening to everything she's stay, saying to all of these kids and has said to me my whole entire life so that, you know, maybe one day when I'm the dance teacher and in charge of the competition team, I will have all the brain knowledge that she shared to, you know, give that out to the next group of dancers and the next seniors in high school trying to decide what they're going to do with their life after they leave that competition team, that family, that home studio, and move on to the next thing. <laughs> We're almost out of time. And I feel like I would be so sad if we didn't at least touch on <laughs> your big dream to be a rocket. <laughs> yes. Big dream for sure. Um, checked it off the bucket list, which is still crazy to think about. I saw the Rockettes when I was in, I think, elementary or middle school for the first time, which I'd already known that, you know, 
Miss Gretchen, who owns the studio, was a Rockette growing up. There's pictures of her plastered on the walls in the studio. We've known this, and I knew how incredible it was. But, like, the first time I sat in the seat and watched that show, I was like, oh, my gosh, I have to do this. Like, I have to. And I think from middle school on, that was kind of, like, my focus and the the drive to get me to where I am today. And, you know, I chose Pace University because their faculty has a lot of past rockets on it. And I knew I was going to get more intense training in that particular style to lead me there and to also be in New York sooner rather than later and get around that crowd of people and gear me up to audition for that show. I got to be in rocket pieces for our like Pace University dance shows where we were, you know, doing kick lines at Pace and prepping me for that. And then every summer that I was at school, I did the Rocket Summer Intensive, which is rebranded and renamed to a different program now. But I got to train with the Rockets for a week and do a show at the end of that week. And, you know, it was so fun to get that like little hint of the lifestyle for a week every summer, all through college. And then, you know, I started auditioning and I auditioned five times in two years. So I auditioned my junior year of college twice because they have a spring and a fall audition. And then my senior year, they auditioned outside of the city too. So I did the spring and the fall in the city, but I also attended an Atlanta audition and got hired in the fall right after I graduated from college, which is still like such a shock. I was in a a taxi on the way to the airport to go on a vacation when I got the call and I have a video of me crying. I'm crying in the car. I'm crying in the airport. I'm calling every single person I know. I'm crying still on the plane to go on my vacation. It was, you know, one of those moments that you don't actually know will ever happen. And it just so happened five seconds after I graduated from school, which was not what I expected at all. You know, there are Rockettes who auditioned 10 plus times before they got that job. And I did not know that that was going to happen for me. I hoped, you know, I really hoped, but I just was not sure. And I was totally fine if it wasn't because I knew I was 22 years old and I just graduated. So I was, you know, ready for whatever. But for that to happen so quick after graduation was such a surreal moment and something I am looking back on now. And it's, it's crazy to think that your lifelong dream can come so soon. And now I'm sort of in a, in a stage where I'm like, okay, we did it. I did it. I checked it off. It's done. What am I going to do next? You know, what, what else is there in this huge dance industry to accomplish? What passion and goal am I setting next? What, what do I, how do I want to challenge myself to do other things in this industry and, you know, break away and do something different? You know, I'm a very busy body person. I like to have 20 million things going on at one time, which is why I travel for fun every weekend with my job and, you know, do other things in the city as well. So I'm not ever going, I don't think I'm ever going to be someone to sit in a job for too long unless it's, you know, really, really, really satisfying me. And that's not to say that Rockets didn't, but that Christmas show is a Christmas show and you do it a hundred times in eight weeks and then you do it again the next year. And yeah, there's like little changes, things that get different, but it's a pretty steady thing. And I think I'm ready for that next step, something new, something exciting that is just totally on the opposite end of the spectrum. I love the journey. And I can tell Hannah that you have a, a giving and a teaching heart. And I just can't wait to see what's next for you. Yeah. Yeah. And I, you know, just to wrap this up, I, I know that your, your idea with being a mentor, like when you made it, like you showed all the kids in a small town, you know, cause Savannah compared to Atlanta or New York or whatever, like you showed the dance community here that it's possible mm-hmm. with the training that we have available with, you know, the community behind you, like it was a really big deal and it left a lot of kids with a lot of hope. And, you know, I just, 
I thought that was just really incredible to see. It was a very, very rewarding first season. If I take away the performing aspect of it all and just the getting to share that experience with my family, with my studio, with all of those kids, it was so fun. I mean, some of my favorite days at that job were walking out of the stage door and a little girl in a Rockette costume that just came out of the show walks up to me and goes, can I have your picture? I want to be just like you when I grow up. Like you're ma- like it's, it's so incredible because I was that girl, you know, I sat in that seat and wanted to have that job and I got to do it and to be able to pay it back to those little girls who have that same exact dream and to show that no matter where you come from, as long as you work hard and you like fight for what you want, it can happen. You have to do it. And it takes a lot, a lot, a lot of work, but it is possible whether that is being a rocket, whether that is, you know, being a CEO of a company, being the president, whatever it is, like you can do it. You just have to set your mind to it. And that is kind of where I'm moving forward and pushing myself to remind myself that, you know, you did this thing that you didn't think you were going to be able to do. And other people thought you weren't going to be able to do and you did it. And now you have to figure out what the next thing is and decide that you're going to do it and start to push yourself to do that. You know, you, there shouldn't be any static moments, you know, always, always moving forward, always pushing for the next big thing and fighting for what you want, what your goals are, what your dreams are, you know, that was a dream. And I, I can't even believe that it came true. And But I'm so grateful for it. I'm so grateful for the lessons I learned. And I'm so grateful that I got to share that with, you know, the entire community of Savannah and my dance studio and and all of that. I, I definitely wouldn't be where I am without everybody in Savannah that helped to get me here. You know, you can do a lot on your own, but that team that I grew up with, those people that you know, knew I could do it and pushed me and trusted me and made me skip my football games to go to dance class. I'm very, very grateful for them now because <laughs> they were right, <laughs> you know, and so I'm I'm very lucky to have such an amazing group of people at home that are still to this day, while I'm still trying to figure out what's next, like are still supporting me and know that whatever I am fighting for, I know that they're going to be behind me and support me. And that's, what I hope to do for the generation of dancers that are younger than me and those people that want a mentor to help push them to achieve their goals too. It's like the least I can do, you know, for, for all the people that have done it for me. So I'm very grateful. Well, thank you so much for spending your time with us. I know you've got to go get on a plane for your uh, (laughs) exciting weekend. Um, but this has been incredible and I'm, I really appreciate you joining us. Yes. Thank you so much. This was so fun. I'm so excited to listen soon and share it with all the people. (laughs) Thank you, Hannah. It was so great to spend time with you. Thank you. You guys are great.